I'd like to share some Dharma teachings this evening. Integrating the practices that we're doing here into the teachings of the Buddha. It might seem like we are primarily focusing on the body. Sometimes we think of these movements as working with our body, the physical energies in our body. But as Ming Tong's been stressing, and I hope it's been coming through, that we are really working with the mind. We're working, as he said today, we're working with the creative potential of our mind. And this is an area that is really only recently being tapped into more in the mainstream, more in the science world, in the physics world. You know this, the potential, the potential that we have as human beings as, our, as we become more conscious, as we become more awake, as we start to tap in to the resources of our being, And so these ancient teachings, the ancient teachings of the Buddha, really are addressing these very, this very thing of how to wake up to the fullness of our potential. So one of the things that I appreciate so much about this Ming Tong's teaching and his style of teaching is this focus, the emphasis on this uh, intention the focus, the power, the directing of the mind, how we're directing the mind for our healing, for our transformation. And then in that direction of the mind, then it has effect on our whole being, physically and mentally. The habitual tendencies of mind are also transformed. It's a, it's a, we're putting ourselves in an opportunity for this uh, complete transformation, full transformation, and bringing this in with the practices of uh, the Buddha's teachings on mindfulness, as well as the ancient teachings of qi, qigong. So I want to talk a little bit more about this intention and open up this uh, understanding of this power that is actually that we, we our con- consciousness is, is something right here that we have access to, this powerful tool <coughs> that I think we don't really fully appreciate what's possible for us as human beings because we get so caught in our habitual way of being. And that's, a, that's the tendency of, of the human mind, is to, to repeat, to repeat things over and over and over again, and sometimes not learn very well from the things that we're doing. We just kind of keep repeating and, and uh, get caught in these same structures or rhythms or repetitions and, and wonder why we're not so happy, why we're still feeling you know, some pain and suffering. So yet we have this uh, powerful consciousness. And in the Buddha's teaching, one of the uh, factors on the Eightfold Path, we have this Eightfold Path of the Buddha, 
It begins with the first factor of wise view or wise understanding, which is really how we perceive and uh, understand the world from the point of view of an awake consciousness. So this is called wise view, wise understanding. It's one of the factors on the noble path of the Buddha. And then depending on that understanding, our view, wise view or wise understanding of the world, this is what gives rise to the second factor on the Eightfold Path, which is called wise intention, or sometimes called wise thought. And thought and intention are actually the same. We use those interchangeably. So this intention... This intention arises, it can, it can manifest as a thought, words in the mind, the things that we're thinking in the mind, like I uh, need, to go, need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> is a thought that arises, and then the body follows that thought. We move in that direction. Or I'm hungry, I need to get some food, or I need to talk to that person about something, or I need to get my car fixed, or, you know... The thought arises in the mind, and that gives rise to energy that then comes into manifestation, either through our speech or our action. It can also arise as an impulse, just an impulse. Sometimes it's not even conscious. Sometimes we just find ourselves moving into action, like opening a door. I'm just like opening the door. My body's already moving. I'm moving towards the door and there's a knob and I have to turn it to move through. It's just a knowing, a kind of a relationship with our world. So there's an impulse to that intending to open the door and then opening the door. So in every moment, every moment of consciousness, there's an intention. I mean, it's amazing to think about that. Every moment we are intending something. We are putting something in motion. This intention is like, I think of it often as a bow and an arrow. You know, I I have this bow that holds the arrow, and I pull back the arrow, and then I let it go, and that arrow is like the intention. What am I aiming at? You know, what am I wanting to focus on? What am I trying to attend to? And this is this power of of intention, and this intention is, as Ming Tong's been saying, this is what carries our energy. It carries the energy the way we manifest as human beings as our energy comes through our speech, it comes through our body, through action. We manifest, and it comes through thought, our creative thought, the different ways we imagine and we plan and we think. These are, it's our creative potential, our creative expression. Now, unfortunately, sometimes that's not so pure, and that energy gets mixed with our greed and our hatred and our confusion, those habits that have been set in motion from the past. And so some of our speech and our action can be very confused with these um, energies that are hurtful, painful, negative, uh, grasping, greedy, And so in our practice, we're bringing our mindfulness to that to see if we can maybe not follow, (laughs) not put energy into those thoughts and those, those words and those actions. It's like with mindfulness, perhaps we can interrupt, interrupt that energy so that it doesn't come into manifestation. 
right? And this is the power of the, of the um, mindfulness of the attention is we actually can perhaps interrupt some of those energies that have been set in motion from the past. Because whatever we, whatever has gone, whatever we've set in motion from the past is now manifesting here in the present. And one teacher said, if you want to know your past, if you want to understand your past, look at your present. This is it, right here. (laughs) That's where we're sitting, is everything that we've set in motion or has been set in motion. Not always, you know, when we're little kids, it's not you know, us necessarily who's setting that emotion. But, you know, a lot of influences, a lot of impressions that then collect, gather together. And then if you want to understand your future, or you want to know your future, look at your present. Because that's what you're setting in motion. You're setting in motion your future right now. And so it's all about now it's all about the present. We want to know what it, what what's happening now. How am I directing those intentions? How am I directing that energy now? And what's so beautiful about coming on a retreat like this and all the intentions that that you have already set in motion to get yourself here is that this retreat center and everything that happens here with the teachings and the teachers and the and all the goodwill of the staff and the cooks and the managers and the land and all that's gone before, all the accumulated energy that has set in, been set in motion before, goes to uh, give us what we're experiencing here, which is an energy field filled with good and wholesome and positive intention. Everything that's happening here, we are sitting in a field of this bright, positive, beautiful intentionality, which is thought and impulses, thought and impulses that have been collected over a period of time. So when you come into a place like this, you feel the energy. You feel that. It's like, you know, people say, I've been wanting to come here a long time. You know, it's so wonderful to be here. And why? Because it's filled with this wonderful energy. We call a place like this sacred. It's a sacred space, a sacred place. And you can feel it. It's, ev- it's everywhere here. You know, it holds us. It's beautiful. And everything is affected by it. They're doing research now that, that says that even the material elements that are in a field that is so full of positivity and love and wholesomeness is transformed. Like this bench is transformed by the energy that's in here. It's not the same as it was when it came here, you know, 10 years ago. The walls change. The walls get imbued with the sacredness. The floor, the mats, the everything is just shimmering with that sacred energy. Or, or the creatures, the deer. Have you noticed? <laughs> where else do you go where the deer don't run away? You know, at a, at a snap of a tr- twig or the sound of a foot. You know, the generations now of babies that have been, you know, raised here, they know this is a beautiful, loving place to be. <laughs> and it's nice grass and, you know, good weeds and stuff. It's, you know, and I love it because during the time of the Buddha, 
uh, there was a, a deer park where he used to uh, give his teachings, and, and there were a lot of deer. And I always think of that when the deer come, the, this lineage of the time of the Buddha. You know, the past brought into the present 2,500 years ago, the power of those teachings, the power. You know? This is what we are cultivating here. You know, this sensing and knowing how to raise this energy, raise this power of our own consciousness. Because the ripples go out, they go out in every direction. They don't just stay here because the energy goes out. There's no, it's boundless, there's no, no containment of it. It's formless, it moves in the space. So when we engage in these meditative practices, the first thing that we begin to do is we empty the mind. As Ming Tong was talking about, we empty the mind. It's one of the first aspects of the meditation practice so that we're not just carrying the old, carrying the past, carrying those, the burdens of our past. So we, we use these practices to begin to empty, to clear, to open the space so that something new can come, come in. It's like if you have a glass of water, you know, and that water's been sitting around, around a long time, it may be a little stale, but to get fresh water, you have to pour it out so that there's some space for some new water to come in. So in the similar way, we're kind of emptying, we're clearing, and, and using some of our intentionality and the direct, directed thought to do that. Let go, let go, return back to the body, to the breath, to the, this uh, empty, more clear space where we're not, ha- we're not engaged in our clutter, clutter mind, monkey mind, you know, we call it the monkey mind, that habit that we're just thinking, 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 or getting caught in the past and the future. We begin to have some capacity to clear the mind. And then comes this more active element I mean, there's really not so difference because we have to use a certain kind of active element to clear the mind. And you'll see how they sort of play together. But as we talk about it and actually describe it, you can see that one aspect is the letting go, the letting go. But then the other aspect is actually this active engagement, which we call directed thought, where we're actually directing our mind, we're directing our thought, we're directing our intentions, our impulses, hopefully for the greater good, right? For healing, for transformation, for awakening, for liberation, that we can participate in our healing, we can participate in our waking up in the transformation of our consciousness. So this is what brings us to the, what's the eighth factor, the last factor on the Noble Eightfold Path, which is concentration. And concentration, when we talk about concentration, this is the factor that holds all this power, all this energy for transformation. So one of the factors. I mean, they all, again, all work together. But concentration really is the key one, and that's one of the main factors besides the wise view, wise intention that we're drawing on here, the mindfulness certainly, but more so the concentration. Because concentration means, uh, it means 
collecting or gathering, bringing together for a single purpose or for a particular uh, uh, direction. This gathering, I, even when I, you know, you know that that, <laughs> that, uh, that movement, you can just feel it. You know, we're gathering, pulling together. You know, that's very much the, the qigong, is this bringing together and then opening and receiving and so this is the, the, the con- this is concentration. Any time we do concentration, it's this pulling together, bringing together, which is the vehicle for this unifying, this um, union, for this wholeness, for this oneness, bringing together, pulling back together, these fragmented parts or these dispersed parts. And often we feel very dispersed. You know, I feel fragmented. I feel I'm pulled in a hundred different directions or my mind's going in a hundred different directions. And it's the concentration for the mindfulness of knowing that and the concentration through the focusing and the gathering, bringing back together, which brings us back into a sense of wholeness. We call it the unifying the mind. And when we first come to a retreat... We, we can see how our mind is kind of all over and it's hard to stay focused, it's hard to stay present. But yet through the practices of the returning and coming back and starting to bring the mind and the body back together in one place in the present moment, we start to feel more whole. We start to feel more unified. We f- and we feel more ourself. Isn't that interesting? You know, we want to really be ourselves and feel authentic and feel real. And this is how we start to f- come back to ourselves. It's like, ah, I feel myself again. Because we're whole. <laughs> we're one piece again. We're not all, you know, torn apart in all these different ways. So I, w- there's these, I want to talk about these five mental factors that come that aid in concentration because they're so interesting when you start to break it apart to see how they actually work. And these are five factors that are talked about in any kind of uh, concentration practice or what's called jhana practice, where you really do uh, samadhi practice to aim to, for very subtle and expanded states of, of mind. And, but yet, they're, they're go- we're using them all the time and we're drawing on them all the time, particularly here in doing our practice. And the first one is called vitaka in Sanskrit. Sanskrit, It's called vitaka. And what that is, it's called directed thought. It's that first aiming of our attention towards something. So it could be the breath when we sit and we do our meditation. We're aiming our attention towards the breath. Or if we're interested in a sensation or pain, we turn our attention or aim our attention towards that sensation just as we've been doing here, sort of directing our attention to different sensations in the body or places in the body. So it's this, it's this um, directing, directed thought. It's the first, first factor in our practice. And then the second one is called vichara. And this is after we direct our attention at an object, say the breath, the vichara is what's called this um, kind of sus- sustaining the attention, or I like to see, call it kind of rubbing. 
when the awareness rubs the attention with the object. And in doing this, we start to get to know the We know the experience or the object. We start to get to know because our attention is sustaining itself there. We come into a kind of intimacy with our experience as we start to sustain that attention. So the first thing that happens is that it really allows for a kind of deep listening or an exploring of just what's going on it's a, it's a deeply reflective opportunity. As when we allow the attention to fill the body while we're doing qigong, we start to know the body, know the experience. We start to have different kind of uh, ways of understanding what's actually happening in the body. So it's through that reflection that brings about knowledge and understanding, wisdom, brings about the wisdom. And the third aspect is that then it allows for us to respond, to to maybe make some adjustments because of the listening and the connecting and the feeling and the sensing. We get to know what's necessary, what's needed. Maybe I'm a little bit too falling over. I'm a little out of balance, so I need to adjust, bring myself back. Or I'm bending in a way that I can't breathe very well, so I have to release and open up. Or my mind is wandering a lot, so I need to kind of bring back. We can make all these little adjustments. This is key in the meditative awareness. It's not just letting be. It's not just witnessing. But it's through that, that deep sustaining of our attention, which is the concentration, builds the concentration, that we come into this very beautiful and sensitive and attunement with ourselves and with our bodies, our minds, which then allows for the sensitivity with others and with our environment, and that kind of that beautiful attunement. So it's this, essentially this vitaka, vichara, which really allows for this... Um, intimacy with our experience. And I I wanted to uh, do an example with the bell, but I actually need the bell to do it. Um, Maybe (laughs) if you could just roll it over. And where's the striker? Thank you. Because a really good example of of the vichara and the uh, the vitaka and the vichara is, is this this aiming. So I'm going to take this striker and I'm going to aim at the bell in order to hit it and make a sound, right? That's the vitaka. Like, I, I have a, a very strong intention. Like, I'm going to have to aim this striker so I actually hit the bell, although it's a really big bell, so I'm not going to really have a problem doing that. But if it was a tiny little bell, I might have to use a little bit more effort. But so this, this, this intentionality to hit the bell. So that, and the, and the strike touching the object is the vitaka, but the vichara is the reverberation. It's that opportunity to actually, that's the bell. I mean, this, we call this the bell. But it's just a piece of metal. It's not a bell, or like in this case, a Tibetan bell, until we hear the reverberation. Right? 
that's the intimacy, that's the connection, that's the engagement, that's the life. The bell is just a concept. (laughs) So the vitaka... There's a contact with the eyes or the ears or the taste or the nose or the skin. And then there's the the reverberation, or sometimes we call it the perfume of the experience. But if we're not present, then we miss it. We're so maybe so caught up in the next thing that we want to have happen, or what should have happened, or why didn't it happen, or you know, I wanted that to happen, or <laughs> or I'm thinking about what happened a year ago when I got met that person who I have to meet again, or, you know, and all that has reverberations. <laughs> or having contact with all that. So it's this question, you know, what are we doing? What are we setting in motion? What are we setting in motion? Because we have choice. Every moment that there is awareness, that there is mindfulness, is this moment of choice. This is where this amazing potentiality comes in. Because when I'm really present and I see that I'm moving in a particular direction, I I can say, oh yeah, I want to keep going there, or maybe I don't. Maybe maybe I'm moving in a direction that's causing some agitation or uh, uh, discomfort. Maybe I need to adjust. Maybe I need to bring in some correction, go in a different direction. And anything's possible. Everything is available to us. This is this practice that we're working with. And then the third factor, as we, as we sustain, we make contact and we sustain our attention, it builds the energy, right? This, it, I could hit it a few times, you know, and we really start to build the energy. As we start to build that energy in our mind and our body, and we sustain that attention, it has an element of what's called pity or joy, or it can be rapture or bliss. And you may not think that, you know, if something's difficult or painful or something unwelcome that's arising, that we wouldn't be feeling that bliss. But the bliss is not necessarily connected to the object. The bliss is connected to the quality of the consciousness. It's connected to the uh, energy or the wakefulness of the consciousness itself. And when we sustain that attention, that contact, and that with the life, with the uh, uh, authenticity of the moment, we are awake. And as we are awake, we start to feel the bliss of the consciousness, the joy, the delight in being awake. The delight in the fact that we're present. At first, that can reach a pitch. I mean, we can feel really like bliss, and, and that and there can be even some agitation in that bliss, because when we first feel it, sometimes it's like, whoa. 
But then as then it calms down and it just becomes this sukha, the fourth factor, sukha, which is pleasure or happiness. It's, it's the, the energy starts to balance out. And then as the energy even becomes more balanced, then it's the fifth factor, which is called uh, igakata, um, which means a one-pointed attention. And it is actually the experience of the unification where all those factors are in balance. We are present. We are connected. We're focused, collected. And it's a very pleasant experience to, to be in that place. When that starts to get stronger, when the energy builds around that and it becomes more dense, the energy of that becomes more dense and concentrated, it becomes laser-like. The mind becomes laser-like. That concentration becomes very bright, very illuminated, very radiant light. And, and I know many people have had that experience where you feel things are light or bright or warm. It can have some heat. We're actually experiencing the radiance of consciousness, the radiance of that, of that uh, samadhi, of that concentration. The Buddha calls it the original brightness. The original brightness. We come into that quality of our original mind or original nature. It's not the object that we're in contact with. It's the consciousness that wakes up. I was just with my friend, and friend of Ming Tong's as well, who... Uh, has been involved with Qigong for a very long time, and she's very, right now she's very, very sick. She had um, uh, mastectomy many years ago, but there was some problem with the surgery, and they left something in her body, and she's been suffering from that for many years, and it's now starting to affect her. She's had more surgeries, and um, She's not in a very good place right now. She has a feeding tube. She's lost about 30 pounds. She has to have more surgeries to open up her esophagus. And um, she's at home and uh, went to visit her. And I knew she was in a very, very difficult state. But to see her, she was just radiant. She was just, she was just light. It was just phenomenal to be in her presence. Of course, her body was very weak, very thin, and the tube was in her nose, and she couldn't have any... She had to have liquids every 15 minutes or so. But the light, her spirit, we call this a spirit. So bright, so radiant. And we, we know, we, we see this. You can, you can sense it in people. You can know that when the, when the physical body... Is, is not so, so dense, but that subtle energy of consciousness is, is shining through. It's very tangible. It's, and it, I said to her, you know, Gina, I, I know your, your body isn't doing so well, but you seem great. You're just, in, just, you know, it gives me so much hope and so much happiness. So, it's, so, the, so the, the material is one thing, this body, the physical, or this, you know, the bell, or, you know, we, the things that, that appear as form is one thing. But we get caught there. We get caught with the form. We forget that there's something else called 
consciousness, mind. And that's what we're working with here. That's what we're, 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 we're healing or purifying here. This quote from uh, Parker Palmer who said, I will always have fears, but I need not be my fears, for I have other places within myself from which to speak and act. I have other places within myself from which to speak and act. So we're drawing on these meditative powers. These meditative powers, all meditation is based on these five mental factors. This power of intention, the power of directed thought, as we've been doing here, and also here bringing the visualization as well, visualizing different images and colors and light, which intensifies the power. We can direct that. We can bring that into manifestation. It's another support for this transformation. So concentration isn't narrowing. You know, sometimes we might think that when we're focusing on a particular one-pointed thing, that the, that the mind is becoming more narrow or smaller. But actually, it's opening because we're coming into real engagement with that formless realm. We're moving beyond the form into the formless, into life itself, that life vitality, life energy, chi energy that's always here, everywhere, all the time. So hopefully our intentions are turning towards what we call the wholesome or, or what's good or what's pure or what's sacred or positive. You know, it's not just a new age idea, you know, just positivity, you know, like Hallmark cards or something, you know, but it's really, this is, this is, we're, 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 we're dealing with our potential as human beings on this earth, on this planet. We're taking these ancient meditative practices and drawing on them for our own healing, for our own awakening. And not only then for ourselves, but for all beings everywhere. Because the ripples go out, just like the reverberation of the bell just goes out. And it touches everything that comes into contact. Very powerful. This is how we change the world. This is how we make a difference in this world. So I'm going to end there. So let's just come into the silence for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.